Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 starts God's revelation with these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I cannot think of a better way or a more appropriate place to begin his revelation to us, can you? God is the beginning and the end of all things, the Alpha and the Omega. He is the basis of all our faith and hope. To even attempt to live life without a belief in God is just unthinkable to me. It is unthinkable because that would then mean that this life is all there is. It's never going to get any better than this and we are here for no other purpose than to ultimately die. It is unthinkable to me because the lack of belief in God is contrary to all reason and all logic. All that anyone has to do is look around. Nature teaches us that there must be a God. How can someone go outside on a clear night in the country, look up at the stars, and deny the existence of the Creator? David wrote in Psalm 19, 1-6, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the works of his hands. Day to day pours for speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens, and its circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Paul told us in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, because that which is known about God is evidence within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Truly, thinking, reasoning people stand in awe at the mighty creative works of our great God. And yet, even though all of nature tells us that there is a God, nature fails to tell us exactly what he is like. To know more about him, We must search the scriptures, and when we do, we find attributes of God detailed there that cannot help but increase our reverence and respect for him, and that cannot fail but to increase our faith. Let's talk about some of those revealed attributes in this episode. First, God is one. In Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4, we find this simple statement, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all are things, and we exist for him. 
and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. Note this now. God is not one of many. He does not hold a position of preeminence among a myriad of gods. There is just one God, and he is the God that we worship. I'm reminded of the words of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 18 through 25. Isaiah wrote the following, To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? As for the idol, a craftsman cast it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, and a silversmith fastens chains of silver. He who is too impoverished for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. It is he who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them, and they wither, and the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me, that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. We must learn to place our faith and our trust in the one God, and cling to him and to him only. We learn as well that God is spirit. To the woman at the well in John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Interestingly, at a time after his resurrection, when Jesus appeared to the eleven, he said in Luke 24, verse 39, See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. When Jesus came to earth, he took on the human form. It was not a form that he existed in prior to coming to earth. There's a lot of speculation that goes on concerning what God looks like, speculation about what type of body he has, but all of that is to no avail. After all is said and done, The books have been written and the discussion has been made. We can say no more than scripture says. God is spirit. And God is omniscient, meaning he knows all things. Paul told us in Romans chapter 11 verses 33 through 36 the following. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. The Hebrew writer told us in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. There is nothing that can be known that God does not know. It is not impossible to hide our thoughts and actions from him. Trying to do so is ridiculous. Jesus said, God knows your hearts. I suppose that if a person were determined to live unrighteously, this would be a frightening attribute of God to consider. 
but for those who seek to serve him. What comfort to know that God knows what we need before we do. He knows our pains and our sorrows. He knows our joys and our ambitions. God is omnipotent. That means that he has all power. The Psalms are filled with testimony of the power of God. For instance, Psalm 33 and verse 9 where we find, For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Psalm 62 and verse 11 says, Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. From Psalm 135, verse 6, we find, Whatever the Lord does, he pleases to do, in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all deeps. From the mouth of the Lord Jesus, we hear in Matthew 19, 26, With people this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. We live in a time when most men and nations are power conscious and power hungry. We as Christians would do well to remember that the God we serve is the most powerful force in existence. He has more power than all the bombs and missiles ever made put together. We hear a lot about the universe in which we live and the exploration of it, but all would do well to remember that the God who made our planet made the others also, and his will must be done in all things. There are many, many things that I don't know. But one thing I do know, God does not rely upon men and our puny inventions and discoveries. And when God decides that the time is right, this old earth will be gone. Peter told us in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in the which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. God has all power. And God is also omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere. I don't understand all of this, but I do know that whatever we go and whatever we do, God will see and hear. Do you remember the words of the psalmist from Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12? He wrote, Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Again, for those who have something to hide, that's a frightening thought. No matter where I might be working any unrighteous act, God is there and he knows. But for his children, what a joy to know that we are never truly alone. In the best of times and in the worst of times, God is there. He is with us. God is infinitely just. Job stated in Job 34 verses 10 through 12 the following, Therefore listen to me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God to do wickedness, and from the Almighty to do wrong. For he pays a man according to his work, and make him find it according to his way. Surely God will not act wickedly, and the Almighty will not pervert justice. Man is fickle, and prone to being unjust and partial, swayed by bias and prejudice. But God is not that way. He is absolutely and infinitely just, and we will be judged on the basis of what we actually have been, and what we actually have done. 
There will be no prejudice or bias on the part of God when it comes time to judge. I think Paul spoke specifically to this point in Romans chapter 6 verses 5 through 11 when he said, But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds, to those who by perseverance and doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 17, Peter wrote, If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during your time of your stay on earth. God is not arbitrary or mean. He is the epitome of justice. And we might say that God is infinite in his goodness. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 145 verse 9, The Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. Again from the book of Psalms, this time Psalm 107 verses 8 and 9 we find, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul, and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. Think of how good God has been to us. All that we are physically and financially, God has given us. Our food, our security, our clothing, our homes, and so on, all comes from God. Unfortunately, the gratitude shown to God is far too often reminiscent of the lepers of Luke 17. Do you remember that account? Starting with verse 12 and going through verse 18, we find, As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but the nine? Where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Let us all pray and work diligently that we might never be found among the nine, but rather remember always to be grateful for the things which God has done and continues to do for us. And my friends, God is eternal. Something is, something therefore always was, and that something is God. In Psalm 90, verses 1 through 4, we read, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man back into dust and say, Return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. I know how difficult it is for us to conceive of something that always was, something that had no beginning and that will have no end. But the existence of the universe demands a first cause, a pre-existing intelligent being who could have set all things in motion. 
that first cause, that pre-existing intelligence being God. God is unchangeable. We sing a song entitled, A Mighty Fortress. The song begins with the words, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Later we find from age to age, he is the same. That is God. He is constant and stable. You know human love is changeable, but not God. He can always be depended upon. He is always there when we need him. James wrote in James 1 and verse 17, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. And wouldn't I be sorely remiss if I did not say that God is love? We know that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This was the greatest manifestation of love man will ever know. And yet God continues to manifest his love for us in other more subtle ways. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 verses 43 through 48 the following, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What a goal to shoot for, that we be as beneficent in our love as God is in his. Let's close our brief examination of some of the attributes of God by looking at Hebrews 11 and verse 6, where we find, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. God truly is. He is great and magnificent to all who learn of him through his word. May we all respect and reverence him, that someday we may all live with him. Thanks for listening. I hope you've benefited from these words.